This is Josh from 007 Oz and Selling Secrets podcast on the Blunt Instruments podcast. Josh, how are you? Good, good. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So, Josh, you are here to talk everything James Bond, your podcast. So, tell us a bit about yourself. Um, so, you're 007 Oz on Instagram, and then you also run a, a podcast as well, don't you? Yeah, correct. So, um, yeah, I'm from Australia, like yourself, um, born and raised, um, 27 years old. So, probably the the youngest here, I think. I think all you guys are a bit older than me, but um, Bond fan for life, absolute nerd um, when it comes to that stuff. Um, yeah, started running the Instagram account at 007Oz or AUS um, for the Americans who don't know how to pronounce Australia properly. <laughs> yeah, I started running that uh, during lockdown because I needed something to do. Um, you know, we're all stuck indoors for you know the better part of almost two years, so needed a, a bit of a creative outlet and uh, saw what you guys were doing on there and Calvin and David and uh, thought I'd jump in and start doing something, you know, that gave me something to do out outside of work and sitting on a screen every day. Um, and then, yeah, I, I work in marketing um, and sales. And um, one of the things that I am very, very passionate about is um, marketing in film and TV. So I used to work in the industry um, prior to a, a spinal injury um, and had to pivot and ended up working in marketing. Um, so I started a podcast called the Selling Secrets Podcast, uh, basically talking about you know the marketing of Hollywood and action films and spy films and everything in between. Yeah, 100%. And your podcast doesn't just focus on like Bond, does it? It talks about pretty much everything like i think you did some marvel ones and everything like that as well didn't you yeah correct so i was thinking but i didn't want to necessarily pigeonhole myself because there's only so much information on the marketing campaigns you sort of look back at maybe the brosnan era and then you start getting um a bit difficult when it comes to pulling out that sort of information so i figured well I'll look at spy films, action films, how are, you know, the Marvel films, the Fast and the Furious films, how are they, how are they sold and marketed, you know, these big multi-billion dollar, you know, franchises, how do they, you know, sell it to the general consumer and how do they make their money? Yeah, 100%. So I've got to ask, how do you reckon they marketed No Time to Die in Australia? Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, look, you, you could have done it many different ways. I think that the main problem was the delays, obviously. Like, you know, we got the, the rough end of the stick there with um, how many times we had it delayed. But overall, I think they did well considering how much money they've made and how much money they're still making at the box office at the minute. Like it was, it is the most successful uh, pandemic age film in Australia, at least. I'm not sure about the world. Um, so clearly, they did something right. Yeah. yeah. Did they did they market it over in the US much when it went to um, Amazon and the video on demand? Because I don't think I've ever asked you to. That was yeah. there much around that. Yeah, they have. have yeah. They? Yeah. I, I mean, not as much as you would think, but they there there have been a couple things. I really yeah. I really feel like with what they did, like kind of get leading up to the movie being released in theaters a lot of, it was still in a lot of people's minds so yeah. saw a couple of things i think the amazon did like a trailer that it was on vod that i'd yeah, yeah. seen yeah yeah nice mm. so how did you find the film josh i haven't actually Loved spoken it. to these blokes about this yet so i've got oh really get out shit ton to get off my chest but um yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, I you finally it. gonna um, admit you finally gonna admit jake that uh vesper's better than madeline swan no, which is not all right. So, a, so who, who do I agree bitch. with here? Because I, I, I think Vespa's much better. So, oh, I think Gets Vespa's out. a lion sack of shit. 
with a phenomenal body. Luke She's got literally a- just like flipped on me. I did. I did. Yeah. No, I still love Vesper, but you know, she uh she was a little schemy bitch the whole time. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Day. It took Madeline two it took Madeline two movies to make an impact. It took Vesper half a movie to make an impact. Let's just make um, it clear. It, it took it took Barbara and Michael five minutes to decide they wanted Leia in two, and it took them five minutes to decide they wanted Vesper dead after one. <laughs> <laughs> you're you we're already going way too hard on this i have no issue with vesper i'm completely kidding and everybody knows that i just prefer leia sedu no and no i'm saying leia yeah no uh, i have an issue with her i have an issue yeah we her. know you do yeah you also have a, an issue with the holiday <laughs> which is nuts I, I don't have an issue with it i just know that there's a better film out there that i'm gonna spend my time watching i that Christmas schindler's season. list love actually you fuck it um I had. What are you talking about? That's but the real talk- Christmas movie. Oh, God. We can talk no about way. Christmas films next week, I reckon. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Josh, I have uh, a question for you. Um, absolutely. As far as this, this is something I always find interesting. I always felt like um, Bond films are kind of like a, I don't know how to say it. I've, we've talked about this before. I think Jake, I think it was all three of us. I can't remember, but kind of like, it's kind of like a, an underground film compared to Marvel and Star Wars and things like that. Do you kind of have that same uh, outlook on it just because it kind of doesn't see, at least US-wise, it does not seem to get the, uh, the credit it deserves? It didn't used to be. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what's changed in the Craig era, but it didn't used to be. Like You think back at Pierce Brosnan, yeah, they didn't make as much money at the box office and all that sort of stuff, but they were like the biggest films in the world back then. You know, you had the Action Man toys, like the games, everything. It was a huge cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And whether I think they pivoted when they decided, hey, we're going to make Daniel Craig the more serious adult oriented one. And as a result, all the merchandising um, went more adult oriented so you ended up going for more the you know the npl cashmere's rather than the action mans and the game boy games because mm-hmm. that was sort of where the stories were going um but in terms of i guess overall um you look at your marvel films um your dcs all those sort of things um they have a lot more broad appeal when it comes to just general audience viewing because Again, it's sort of where they've taken this story, at least. You know, you started with Casino Royale. He was young, um, so it had that broad appeal. You know, everyone could relate to it. It was Bond. It was still fun. Same with Quantum. Skyfall onwards, he was an old dog. And they went down this story of he's old, he's old, and, it, you know, he's driving the old cars. It almost was marketed towards sort of the people who were your Roger fans or your, mm. your Brosnan fans to an extent. Um Whereas like, you know, a young kid coming in and trying to watch these things who's, you know, been watching Spider-Man or Captain America or whatever, they just see Captain America out there saving the world and all that sort of stuff. It's not as intellectual maybe in the story, but um, it lost its broad appeal. Um, I think in Australia in general, because we're a part of the Commonwealth, we do get it marketed a bit heavier than what you guys over in the States do. Um, just it's sort of in our, our culture a bit more. Um, I think they're leaving it in cinemas longer than what they did over there as well. Um, we're not getting DVD or Blu-ray or whatever you want to call it um, until January, I think here. So they're, they're leaving it a good two months post launch before they, um, they go to a home release here. So they're, they're definitely trusting in the brand power of Bond that little bit more to run with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually reckon- a really good point. That's a good point. No, go ahead, do you dude. reckon that they could go back to more of that broad appeal with, let's say, like the next James Bond and go back more towards those toys and things like that? Or do you reckon they'll stick with the more adult feel to it now? Um, I think they'll stick with the more adult feel. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Amazon, whether they have a lot of creative input um, 
once this Amazon MGM deal goes through. Um, cause obviously Amazon are, you know, a behemoth and all they want to do is make as much money as possible. So you look at what they did with the Tom Clancy movie, um, without remorse with Michael B. Jordan and the way they, they sort of sold that film was, you know, they got influencers involved. They, you know, they had like drones deliver care packages to people mm-hmm. for the, mm-hmm. the home release of it. Um, you know, there weren't toys and all that sort of stuff because it's not a, a big brand thing, but um, Amazon's going to want to make as much money out of these things as possible. So I would think that I personally, I want to see them go back to that more Brosnan, you know, fun style, uh, but at the same time, keep the, the high quality filmmaking aspect that they've gone for with the Craig era. So um, hopefully they, they, yeah, they hit a nice middle ground. I think we're going to so, see like the, the pendulum kind of swing back a little bit because yeah. of how serious this whole tone has been. Um, I've referenced, I've referenced this on here before numerous times, but I think like the perfect equation right now is that like mission impossible type balance of humor, just a little outside the box, but still kind of reality, but it does definitely needs to be more bond on a mission, saving the world versus hey this is my emotional journey and let's see how fucking sad and depressing i can make this agreed agreed Uh, are we allowed to talk spoilers yet oh yeah oh yeah 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 i mean there's only so far you can go once you've killed bond Mm -hmm. like that 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 is about as serious as you can get you only get to fucking do it once too that's the thing yeah you can't you can't do it again like like that was your one so just enjoy it because Yeah. yeah You can't fucking do it again. Yeah, I didn't have an issue with them doing it. I just had an issue with leaving the movie theater wanting to kill myself. <laughs> I did, that was never uh, uh, something that I, I ever felt I would want to do after. <laughs> you know what I mean? You always leave like I, I remember leaving like Quantum of Solace and, and being like, I need to get jacked, take my shirt off, have women help me look for the stationery all this shit and then this one i was like i i want to crawl in a hole and die so cuddle your doo-doo yeah my doo-doo because <laughs> well, yeah. I, I went to see the film by myself as well like i know that you did luke it's mm. weird isn't it like yeah, it's a, you walk it's, out of there by, very by yourself and i walked yeah. out into like a shopping center just standing there by myself i was like i just want to go home yeah wanna, yeah, yeah i've seen two <laughs> films by myself it was force awakens and this one and um, I, I've, I've talked about it on here before, but I had seen Force Awakens opening night when I was living in New York and John Boyega showed up to, to, pre- to you know, present the film. So then after all that fanfare, the next day I went and saw it again, completely different vibe of this and that. But I was like, you know, what? yeah, I'll go see because I went and saw it again because I wanted to, you know, I hadn't seen a Star Wars movie in the theater since episode three and I wanted to you know, be able to take it in for everything that it was. The John John Boyega thing threw a real wrench in the plan. I was like, shit, that was the only thing I could think about. But then seeing it the second time was just to really let the nostalgia and everything fit in. So I was like, this is perfect. Like, this is going to be great. Little did I know. Mm. I was like this. And jokes aside, it was like one of the most lonely, cold feelings I've truly ever experienced in my life. I'm dead (laughs) serious. Whether that's like, that's like, wow, what a life you've had, if that's what you think is sad. But <laughs> seriously, I was like, shit, yeah. this sucks. Oh, it's really, weird, I, isn't it? Yeah. I'm not uh, a religious person, so, like, cinema is my my church. So, like, I'll happily mm-hmm. go to the movies by myself. I mean, I went yeah. to I went to IMAX by myself to see No Time to Die. So, like, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would do it, too. I would do it, too. I'm in the same boat as Josh on this one. I definitely do movies by myself sometimes just because I don't want to feel distracted. I don't want to have to worry about someone else being there with me. It's more or less if I want to like completely immerse myself in the film and not worry about anything else. But like Luke, we saw it at the same time and we both got out and how you had how many people in your screening? I had 22 in mine. 15 maybe. Yeah. And it was just like, everyone was like super spread out and it was super quiet. And then, you know, you know, the credits roll and I'm just like, Get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. I don't know yeah, what to say like, about this. Going to a press screening in Michigan, there's not a whole lot of people that write about films 
in in Detroit. So a few of them, when they walked in, I knew exactly who they were. It's not like LA where there's 150 critics on one block. So then I saw the notepads. So anytime something happened and they went, I was like, you better not be fucking writing anything bad. <laughs> Pissing me off. Must see you outside, motherfucker. Could have been, yeah. <laughs> been like, could have been the scene that I've shit on a hundred times when he's like, that's not good. And I'm sitting there like, oh, and then this guy writes now, hey, don't write that down. It was stupid, but you don't need to say anything about it. Don't. You know what I mean? Put so, the like, down and no one gets hurt. Yeah, there's a lot when of distractions. When did you first see it, Josh? You went to the midnight screening, didn't you? Yeah, I went to the midnight screening at uh, Lido in Hawthorne here in Melbourne. So, um, yeah, that was an experience. I was like, I'm not letting any spoilers get out. I mean, I unfortunately had the ending spoiled for me, but you, you can't avoid that shit in this day and age if you're on social mm. media i didn't want to just go you know completely dark um so yeah midnight screening all the way yeah, yeah. i think yeah i bought the making of film like the book and then i read that before i went because i was an idiot so like i opened it and it's just got all the pictures in it i was like oh, oh no I, I know what happens in this film now it's like a picture <laughs> behind the scenes picture of him like in a million pieces <laughs> oh yeah I, know. I was just like oh christ you're like why is he's, there a landfill in the captain's like <laughs> Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig's eyeball. Oh. Yeah. After you know what though? After seeing this too, I'm you know I'm a huge Marvel guy. Like I love all the Avengers films and all that, but um, I'm a little behind just with you know the podcast, the YouTube, and everything. It's just you know, and and my actual job. <laughs> this seems like my actual job now, but. Uh, when it comes to this new Spider-Man, I'm seeing it opening night because I know, I know, I just can feel it. Toby and and Andrew Garfield are going to be in it, and I don't need, I don't need to hear it from anybody. I just want to see it as quickly as I can. You know what I mean? Because it's just gearing up for it. And if they're not, fine. I'm not like mm. that diehard about it. But if they're in it, and I find out on Yahoo, I'm going to be pissed. You know, I just want to be able to see it you know and be like okay because it's like especially and the problem is though not to sidetrack but anybody else here tom holland say that people aren't gonna walk out of this movie happy? yeah it's like great yeah, yeah, i did say great that. yeah great another so, depressing film to go yeah. and say yeah like why don't we just bring titanic back then for a screening like, why, <laughs> let's just go down with that ship again pun to, intended to be honest i'm a bit burnt out on marvel though like they're, yeah. they're just pumping everything at the minute like i went and saw um shang chi and eternals the other night and mm. they were free screenings that's the only reason i went and saw them you know, yeah yeah you know, we get tickets through the um distributors at work so i was like oh yeah fuck it i'll go and see them and I didn't enjoy them. Like Shang Chi is fun, but like I don't, yeah. whether whether it's just me getting old and bitter, they all get to this big CGI climax at the end, and I go, yeah, I'm, I'm not interested. Yeah, that's why you know I am a huge fan of those, but I haven't seen Black Widow. I haven't seen either of those two. I haven't watched any of the episodes of um, Hawkeye yet. I haven't really seen any of the episodes of Loki. But my favorite is still probably like the first Captain America because it's got yeah. like a storyline to it, you know, and people shit yeah. on it. Like, I think that's a great, great film. That's more my speed. I've never been a huge, huge, like action guy. That's why I have a Bond podcast. <laughs> Not a big action film guy. Big dialogue guy over here. But do you You're reckon emotional guy. No Time to Die had enough action in it, though? Like, Yeah. 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 For, for, oh, I can't say it anymore. In my opinion. Fucking say it. Say it. It was, for me, for me, it was it was a great blend of the two. Mm. You know, and, and I think maybe just because you knew it was Daniel Craig's last one and, and there were rumors going around of what the ending may or may not be. And at that point, it, the rumor I heard wasn't that he was going to die. It was that he looks like he dies. You know, even knowing that that might be how it ends, every every scene, no matter if it was dialogue or action, the stakes were just way higher for me. And it seemed like every actor knew that and and played it that way. So I, I thought it, not only was it a good mix of the two, but I was interested at every point. Yeah, I just definitely uh, the the hoove the hoove, which I'll mention the hoove. Uh, 
he loves this movie and he thinks it's going to age really well. I, I don't know if I disagree with that. I think for me, I'm just kind of melancholy about it. I'm just like, okay, he died. Like you guys did it great. Like when I go back and rewatch it, I love the pace of the film. I think the pace is great. Um, it dips very little in the middle. Uh, but for me, it's just, it's just not my favorite bond film. Like it just, you know, it just didn't do it for me. I like, for me, the specter has more of like a bond, like feel to it than, than no time to die. Like across the board. I think from the time he, he gets to Jamaica to the time he leaves London, that's like where it feels like a bond film for me. Everything outside of that does not. And that's okay. I mean, again, this is this is a story arc. So they had to wrap it up one way or another. So the way they did it, I don't have qualms with that. But as far as using the equation for a Bond film, this one really, in my opinion, lacks it. And not to mention, it leans heavy on a lot of nostalgia. And I'm kind of just tired of the nostalgia. I want them to go to the mm-hmm. what's new, what's modern, what, what, you know, I don't need to see a fucking DB10 for at least three more films now. Like I, DB5. I or sorry, DB five. I was going to say, That's I funny. love the 10. Sorry. DB five. I, I really want them to reach out to this younger generation. And by doing that, you need to modernize bond again yeah. and get away from the, Oh, well, this is what we used to do in the past. If you want to put like one little thing in there. Great. I need something mm-hmm. brand new and fresh. I don't want any more callbacks for a while. I think, yeah. I think they've overdone the shit out of that. Yeah, well, I agree with with what Josh said earlier. To to your point, Lorenzo is the, that's why the four of us are even here, because you know we can shit on die another day all day, but at least there was merchandise. It was this big fanfare. Um, you know, Goldeneye, the best one of the best video games of all time. I don't even think that's a biased statement. I think it's just true. And then oh, all the games throughout the whole Brosnan's you know tenure. Like I just remember going to the airport one day to fly wherever when I was a kid die another day had just come out and they had all the model cars there. They had the Jag, the Aston, the Thunderbird. I was just like, that's cool as shit. You don't see bond stuff anywhere anymore. And we went to that Christmas store. Like I was telling you, Jake, and they've got, it's like one of the biggest Christmas stores in the world that's here in Michigan. And they have a whole wing of this building dedicated to ornaments. And it's like by section, like NFL, NBA, dogs, cats, shit, piss, whatever. And like you get to the you get to the license point, and we're talking everything from like Minecraft to Seinfeld, Harry Potter, Back to the Future, nothing Bond though. Nothing. Mm. And I'm telling you, during the Brosnan time, probably would have been a different story. Oh, big time. I mean, I went to Doncaster shopping center which like one of the big Westfields on the weekend and ducked into David Jones, which is like, Jake, what would David Jones be the equivalent to over in the States? It'd be like Macy's or something. Yeah. It's, it's a big, big department shop. store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably Macy's. Probably like a yeah. Macy's. Yeah. It's, not it's, a it's that store. sort of high end, high end department store. And. Oh, then not Macy's. Then not Macy's. Nordstrom's. Even Marcus sure. Nordstrom, something like that. Yeah. New Marcus um, too, I am. But yeah, like I was like, all right, I'm going to go and look for, you know, the Bond stuff because they do, they sell, you know, Tom Ford and a few things. And I shit you not, they had like, it was a glass cabinet and that was it mm-hmm. when it came to the Bond stuff. Like it was pathetic. Yeah. 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 The only place um, that I've actually seen do it really well is um, there's like a Tom Ford there's actually a shop and they it's literally like you know unless you show your fucking black amex as you walk in you're not going to get in there um it's called harold's but they they had all the suits from the tom fords out on the window display um along That's with awesome. some of the um i think some of the stuff that naomi well she was wearing some of the tom ford stuff in some of those london scenes that that sort of stuff and they'd actually displayed it and then it was almost like a museum you know where they have it on like the glass where it's like atticus tuxedo 007 no time style whatever and it was like there you go you've actually done it right and that's yeah but it's not affordable stuff to go out and buy but at least they've actually gone right well we sell this stuff we're going to put this in the window and if someone's going to buy a tom ford so at least at least it's there like and yeah i think 
a lot of other marketing places are just missing out nowadays on this sort of stuff. Like David Jones sells the Royal Dalton, um, like that Jack Dog and things like that. And they just don't really give a shit. Like, what kid's going to want to buy a Royal Dalton yeah. you know, ceramic dollar? Well, yeah. well, over here, it's like 200 Yeah, Do you account yeah. for the, the yeah. costs and everything? So you're telling me you've never like been to a restaurant and seen a kid with the Royal Dalton just like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like <laughs> his hot wheels and he's like <laughs> <laughs> we see that here every day every day <laughs> Shit, I thought you wait said a the second States, they didn't like bonds Jake <laughs> Jake I have to say you saw this awesome display and yet you post all these pictures of Daniel Craig on your page but you don't post that are you fucking I, kidding me, dude? I got, I got the, <laughs> I got the worst pictures from it. Like it was. Oh, saw, you fucking. Were you on the job? It. Were you on the job? <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. I was. Okay, um, then it you, was like, yeah, then you fucked up. What's your problem? No, it was like it was like <laughs> the middle of the night. Come on, man. Bec- oh, shut up a minute. Um, I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna go and get these pictures. <laughs> Josh, you want to be on another <laughs> podcast? <laughs> I, I will do better. But no, I, I did take some pictures of it, but like it was the middle of the night and the reflection, and all you can see is like my reflection just in the background, like oh, James Bond suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I will I will go there over the next few days and I will do better. I apologize. Yeah. It's it's yeah. funny too, because here in Michigan we have actually there's a couple malls nearby that are um definitely on the higher end. And um, the one in particular called Somerset, they actually have two buildings and in, in a like a tunnel that are like a skywalk. And one of them's like the rich side and one of them's just the regular shit. But even on the regular side, it's like Ted Baker. You know, it's not like, you know, whatever. So on the one side, you we're talking like Gucci, Louis Vuitton, all that. But then there's Omega, Rolex, whatever. And aside from... And, and Neiman Marcus is over there and like, they've got their whole Tom Ford section. Um, as far as other bond brands, I think they've got like, I don't know, maybe like rag and bone, like a really small section, but like, even then it's like, you know, Neiman Marcus is one of the, it's one of the ritziest department stores we have aside from maybe like Bloomingdale's or whatever and Saks. And as far yeah. as bond brands, because they're so heavily English or sometimes so obscure or something like Orla Bar Brown, which is like a very niche group of mm. people, they don't have it. You know what I mean? So like, and Neiman Marcus's website actually has the full line of Orla Bar Brown stuff, but not at the store in Michigan. Cause why would they, who wants luxury beach wear in, in Troy, Michigan? You know what I mean? Like there's not a beach. Well, I think you can make a case for fucking Enpeel in Michigan. I mean, that's a market they're just completely oh, yeah. missing. Yeah, or even Connolly. What the fuck? Enpeel, Connolly, Massimo. Like we're all Massimo Elba, not Target. But you know what I mean? Like all these, you know, and it's like Tom Ford has a nice little thing and they've got every tie. I'll give them that. They've got all the Daniel Craig ties. But aside from that, that's it. You know, and it's like, even their suits are few and far between, but the Omega boutique is steps away from Neiman Marcus. And of course, now with bond coming out, the two outside windows are the bond watch. Everything's bond watch, blah, blah, blah. You go in there and the only magazines they have on display are the new no time to die, you know, themed ones that Lorenzo's got 612 of, you know, if you need one, he's selling them for a grand a piece. <laughs> so, but it's like, uh, you know, start saving for my next watch. Yep. Yep. And, um, you know, so yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's just, I think that's my biggest grievance is because Josh, like you pointed out when we were kids, it was, you know, you could go to target, you can go to, you know, a department store or whatever, and they'd have bond toys bonds. I mean the airport, I'm not even kidding. It was at the Mm. airport in one of those little kiosk things. And then it's like, now I go to, I'm like, okay, I know I can't get anything at your typical store. I know there's no action figures. Maybe I can physically touch one of the items of clothing try it on and buy it even that is close to impossible here you know Mm. i mean i know vegas is a little different because it's a little you know higher clientele but for me it's it's like new york or bust really it's it's really not that different here in vegas to be honest with you 
like we have the mega boutiques that do stuff. And then, like you said, like Neiman Marcus, we have a Tom Ford store. But when I go in the Tom Ford store here in Vegas, they don't have any bond displays. Actually, mm-hmm. I feel like they kind of loathe when people come in asking for bond shit. Right. I mean, granted, the staff there is lovely and I they know me by name and it, it, it's awesome. You know, like they know what I'm there for. So but like you said, when you go to the mall, you're not going to see that kind of shit like you're just not. Um, and I think that to kind of transition, I think that's because I feel like they're relying heavily on the online shopper now. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of getting away from that in-store experience, which it bothers me because when I bought my Connolly jacket, when I bought my RGT, I didn't try them on. I had to look at the sizing chart and pray to God it works out because some mm-hmm. of the things you order from overseas and if they come in too small or too big, it's a real pain in the ass to exchange. You know, so it's like yeah. you're doing as much research as you possibly can, and it's just like priced, like just get it in the store so you can try it on at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is the first challenge. The second thing is is like the whole 007.com shop. No, don't get me started on I, that. I, I, I want to go there. I just really feel like going there because I find it extremely irritating that half the shit on the US site is oh, the go to our international store. Why the fuck do you have a US store? If you're not going to carry the same shit at that location, you might as well just mm-hmm. have one shop. Like it makes no sense. And it's yeah. always like slim pickings. What's actually available in the U S I tried to get one of the, uh, one of the programs from no time to die that they put up on there when you're dropping them at seven, uh, 3am, you know, or like in your case, Luke, 7am your time, like no one over here is going to get one. Like mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. Like, why can't you, you allocate? Stock? No, I didn't even fucking get one. I also didn't like, know that happened. So there goes that yeah and the same thing i was, with the I was lucky enough to get one but um man they, they they screwed the pooch on that so it was it's like it was a, over a hundred dollars for the bloody program plus then they charge your know, fortune in shipping alone and it yeah. rocks up and it's in this little cardboard envelope like the the envelope shredded to pieces and i'm going <laughs> oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck like i'm just hoping mm-hmm. that the 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 program was okay um I know a couple of guys over here who got them and the, the programs were destroyed. They would like, there was like, well, there goes all my money. And it was the biggest pain just to get the 007 stored and, you know, go, well, yeah, okay. We'll send you like another as an apology, but like, you know, you're spending all this money like on shipping. They're charging a stupid amount of money on shipping just to come from the UK. It was like 50 bucks shipping. So, so the yeah. Was 100, yeah, the shipping right. was 50 bucks and it's like, how is in 2021? But, I don't know how you can justify that anymore. Just up the well, price. Fucking mail Luke to Jake item. for 50 yeah. bucks. Like, like this is this is bullshit. Like do at it. the end of the yeah. day, <laughs> I would love that. I'm sure. Uh, make sure you enough food. I'm sure, I'm sure Vic wouldn't be thrilled. No. <laughs> fucking doorbell rings. Like, what up, mate? It's she me. Where's the baby at? So, so Josh, I've got, I've got to ask you, do you reckon going for more of a younger bond for the next one will help? Um, you know, like all of this sort of tied in, bringing it into a younger generation, doing all of that. Do you reckon they should go for a younger bond? And who would be a pick if if it's you cast in the yeah. next one? Oh, shit. All right. So this is something I've done a fair bit of on my Instagram page. I've, I've done, you know, recastings of all the classic films with modern actors. So there's a, a list of people that I've got, but they have to go younger, right? I mean, Daniel was, what, 38 when he took on Casino? Yeah, um, I think. 36. 36. So, and oh, then, 37. you know, oh, delays and all that sort of stuff. Uh, 24. <laughs> 15. He was supposed to be the young guy, right? Three, three films in and he's he's nearly in his 50s and he's the old dog like it, it doesn't work um so inevitably well, when you're making them young. every when you're making them every five to six years it's kind of a goddamn problem yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um so I'm, I'm thinking they've got to choose someone i mean realistically we're not going to get the film till 2024 2025 at their current production rate right so yeah. all the big names that they've got going at the minute are all too old you know, Henry Cavill's in basically in his 40s. Like all these guys are going to be 50 by the time the bloody film comes out. So you've realistically, you've got to look at someone in their early to mid 30s. Um, so in terms of names, like there's there's a bunch out there and whether they go for a big name or a little name, uh, 
knowing Bond, they'll go for a little name, um, realistically. But you could go with someone like a Liam Hemsworth, who's, you know, he's, I think he's 30 at the minute. Um, and he's got the the star power to bring a lot of you know people to the to the franchise, or you go the the opposite, and you go someone who's just a complete unknown, like a a Max Irons, who he's in a, a US TV show called Condor, which is a remake of the um, the Robert Redford spy film from I think it's the the seventies or the eighties, and like one of my favorite spy TV shows. And like, he's, he's sitting up there as number one from that. Um, plus he's Jeremy Irons as kid. So like, mm-hmm. I mean, bloody good actor anyway. Uh, so I was just going to jump in and give my, my like little pitch for Henry Cavill because he's 38. He'll be 39. Uh, I don't know if you heard that Josh uh, just repeating it, but he'll be 39 yeah. next May. If you could sign him for a four year picture deal with an optional fifth, and you have a guarantee that every film will be within two to three years, you could get five films out of him easily. But you got to stick to that timeline, and that's the thing like that they're it. not. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm really sorry. I don't oh, like I don't... Henry Cavill. Well, it doesn't matter if you like him or I like him. We're not the one making the fucking decision. So if you exactly. have five films, what are you going to do? You're just not going to watch Bond for five years? No, God no. Of course, I'll, I'll just be one of those people that was blonde and not Bond and fucking campaign against it no no i mean (laughs) realistically i mean he's the biggest name that's up for it at the minute right so i mean if he gets it awesome that'll probably probably tom hardy's the biggest name but that's just so unrealistic tom hardy Hardy won't get it to me i've actually been seeing stuff being posted about um hemsworth uh thor yeah he's chris chris hemsworth i couldn't think of his first name no i reckon he's i I just don't see it Mm -hmm. Yeah, Liam's a better pick. Yeah. yeah, I'm still I'm still second with Richard Madden. I think that me and you both. Yeah, I actually like, like that pick. I like that pick. Yeah. I think What's that's a good pick. Like? Who? Madden. Richard, Richard Madden. Oh yeah, I like Richard Madden a lot too. I, I saw like Eternals the other day. Um, yeah, Kit Harrington had more of an impact than him in ten minutes in the film than he did for that entire movie. Which I'm movie like, are you talking I'm, about? Eternals? Eternals. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I, would I didn't prefer see Kit that Harrington steaming piece him. of shit anyway. <laughs> Have you seen Bodyguard, though? Body, I, I pick Richard Madden based off Bodyguard. I don't give a shit about Eternals. Yeah. 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 And like, to be honest, with him, he has obviously got bigger since then. Like, he's doing a Marvel film and that. But I still don't think that. I don't know. How, how big a household name is he? I reckon he's in that he's really not. sweet, he's not. sweet middle ground of. People who really enjoy film and TV will know exactly who he is, but the majority of people would see him picked as Bond and go, "Oh yeah, I remember him on Netflix five years ago." Yeah, like, yeah, that sort of that sort of thing. If I if I bring up Richard Madden, people don't know who he is, and then I say yeah. Rob Stark, and then they know who he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah Have you yeah. seen that interview he he did where they ask him, "Would you want to be James Bond?" and he just smirks and walks away. Mm-mm. Look, the rule look is you can't you you can't say you want to be James Bond like that's yeah. the rule. Yeah. Isn't the yeah. So like it's he's well some of them would be like you know like Henry Golding's like oh I'd love it you know and goes on a full yeah. interview he, about it. <laughs> you're not, yeah. like, you're not getting just, it, mate. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> then Madden literally like this reviewer uh, interviewer just goes. So would you want to play James Bond in the future? He's Italian. That's my shitty Italian accent. Oh, that was pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty good. It was better than House of Gucci. Better than House of Gucci. Oh, another shrimp on the body. Other Zona Hills in the Gucci. <laughs> yeah, like he literally just smirks and doesn't say anything and then just walks away. And I'm like, yeah. they've already cast him. Like with yeah. that sort of reaction, I reckon he's already got the job. Either that or he's got a really good publicist who's like, you want to be James Bond? Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> yeah. And act like you have yeah. it already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, side note on this, but the three of the cast members from The Sopranos were here in Michigan a couple of weeks ago. And, and my fiance and I went, uh, they do like this whole show about Sopranos and stuff. And one of them was Michael Imperioli, Chris, Chris Maltasanti. And uh, someone, someone asked him a question. He's like, what do you think of the accents from House of Gucci? And the other two, like, did you guys all watch Sopranos? I guess no, I, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't. But you know who Michael Imperioli is, probably. 
Yeah, yeah. I okay, so he's he's by far the most famous of all of them that are left. You know, obviously, like it was of right. course James Gandolfini, but now, and he won the Emmy for it, and whatever. And clearly, he's still got like some sort of a purpose. The other two are like, "Fuck that movie was fucking shit." Well, was that, <laughs> like, like, I, was just, I just like look. I look at Brienne, and and I was like, those two guys either don't have publicists. <laughs> or they're just very bad. And then Michael and Michael Imperial is like, he's like, I haven't seen it yet. He's like, but you know, it's it's supposed to be Italians in Italy speaking English in Italian accents. And he's like, so it just doesn't make too much. So I was like, that guy's got a good publicist. That's how you do it. guys like, that damn Lady Gaga's a bitch. I don't give a fuck. Like, oh my god, Luke, did That's you a- see it? House of Gucci. Yeah, no. I haven't seen it yet. No, we, we went and saw it Saturday. Uh, yeah, I mean the accents are what they are, but I will say Lady Gaga killed it in that movie. I think she's great. She, I think Adam she's Driver great. is fantastic. Adam Driver is a hell of an actor, dude. Maybe not Star no, Wars. No, if you're wise, SIS, but... you'll probably ask everyone if she should be a Bond girl. But I mean, oh, fuck, fuck. Like, I mean, at this point, like, it's just like, uh, who isn't going to be a Bond girl? Like, Jennifer Lawrence. Like, fuck, whoever's the it person right now, are we just going to keep speculating? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's just the way it goes. Like, who gets it's, to- say, <laughs> say what you will about it, though. She'd do a bloody good song. Like maybe not she as won. a, a Fuck Bond yeah. girl, yeah. she'd do a really bloody good song for it. Like you listen to her acoustic version of um, was it Poker Face? And man, she's got a good voice. Yeah, yeah, she does. Oh, I secretly want Lana Del Rey to do do a Bond song. Like yeah. I think have you heard Twenty Four? Rush it. Twenty Four. So mm, she's got no, a song called think... Twenty Four, and I swear to God, that was up first um, audition for yeah. Spectre. Like listen to Twenty Four. Oh, listen like, to that. Yeah, it's, it's it right pitch now. perfect bond. Like, yeah. Another another person who's always wanted to do it is Michael Bublé. And I've talked about this, how he's got a version of Georgia on my mind. And it literally is the beginning of it. The first like 30 seconds is the Quantum of Solace version of, of the Bond theme. It's fucking incredible. I, want, I wondered how long it would take you in November to talk <laughs> about Michael Bublé. Did I talk oh, about a my- Christmas song, Jake? <laughs> Fucking dick. <laughs> got one day left, mate. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a break. Give Say me that. a fucking break. Listen to you it, though. I'm not even kidding. Listen to yeah. it. Because he's obviously, when he records, he's got a full arrangement with him. And it's and it's not even like, like oh, like let, no. It's flat out like the first 15 seconds is the Quantum Solace Bond theme. And then it goes into... George on my mind. And then it ends with the bond theme, but he's, that's one thing I will say him and his music director, Michael Bublé's are very good at um, arranging songs. They can make Mm -hmm. anything out of anything. I'm telling you, listen to it. It's incredible. I might um, jump back to no time to die quickly. So before we get into the, you know, the next James Bond and everything like that, now that the Craig era is well and truly done, like he's dead. Um, are we sure? Where, but, no, I'm just oh, no. um, <laughs> you never know. Though. Fast and Furious, the film franchise where no one oh can die. Um, anyway, so where, whereabouts would you actually rank No Time to Die now in in the Craig films? Uh, I reckon it sits at my number two, and it's probably going to bounce between that and Skyfall. Like Casino for me is untouchable. I mean, mm-hmm. that film's just absolute perfection. Um, Skyfall. I mean, as someone who's had film training and used to work as a cinematographer, Skyfall is just fucking gorgeous. Like Roger Deakins nailed that film. Um, and the only thing that lets Skyfall fall me down is the plot. I mean, all yeah. the the convenient stuff with Silver in the the middle. Um, other than that, like I love Skyfall. I think this will probably just edge Skyfall out simply because cinematography is like on point the everything about the story is awesome so it'll probably bounce between the two whenever i do rankings but i'll say it's probably at number two when you saw no time to die the first time the very beginning that overhead shot approaching leia sadu's family's home Mm. did you think when i first saw it i immediately was like this is a completely different animal than ever before yeah i was like this Um, they brought everybody Everybody who's anybody is working on this film. 
Yeah. I mean, Lena Sangren is just an absolute genius behind the camera. Like if you've seen first man, which is the, um, the, the Ryan Gosling movie he did, that yep. film's just stunning in itself. So I knew he'd, he'd do something pretty spectacular with it. Um, yeah, man, like Spectre, you, you, you got some good talent in Spectre and, you know, Hoyter Van Hoytema, um, you know, he's a good cinematographer. I, I don't think he's as good as everyone makes him out to be. Um, I, I, you know, incredible work with Nolan that he's done, but Inspector, that film's just boring to watch. Like there's no energy in the camera. Mm-hmm. And yeah, within that, that very first frame of No Time to Die where, it, you know, it trans- transfers out um it's it's yeah it's completely different yeah i think that even came through like we were talking to clem last week weren't we and um he was in the the havana scene for no time to die and then the rome scene in spectre and it was like night and day the way that he was talking about those two scenes wasn't it yeah yeah he almost like you could tell the passion that he had for havana and then in rome he was like yeah that was cool because he walked behind me Mm-hmm. Like the actual difference between the two was massive. I thought. I don't know if you thought that as well, though. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And and to me, it was like you know, just so when Spectre, when the trailer for Spectre came out, and they were that what got me. I mean, aside from the, with all of us, it's been fifty fucking years since Skyfall, so we're like, I don't care what this movie's about, I'm gonna go see it. <laughs> but what got me was like the haunting aspect. The trailer was very haunting. They were playing to that with like the kind of like bells and you know, with like that weird version of the Bond theme, and they were really showing a lot of that Rome scene. I was like, this looks like it's gonna be good. But then you see the Rome scene, and it's like it's like Rome, but it's nighttime, and it's yeah. like there's nothing's popping. But then Matera, no time to die. You're yeah. like, if I don't go to Matera before I die, then I've wasted yeah. my life. Yeah. Like, you know, and you feel that with literally Norway, like even just that, that like long expressway bridge scene, you're just like, these are the most beautiful locations yeah. ever. Like, why yeah. have I not been to 90% of these places yet? Yeah. It's got that real Roger Moore travelogue feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But. I mean, even no, Casino think- Royale, like they did a good job in Casino Royale with a lot of the, you know, like the, um, not so much the Madagascar, but like the uh, Montenegro scenes, like some of those overhead shots. Like I always think like just the right, the very beginning of the Vesper train scene, when they show that train going through the mountains and then eventually Montenegro. And then of course, like Cuba and then Italy, Lake Como at the end. It's like those shots are, are better than anything Inspector. In my opinion, even yeah. Miami, even Miami Airport in that film, like they actually show that really well, and they make mm. it seem pretty imposing. Like Miami Airport is the worst airport in the world, and they <laughs> yeah. actually make it pretty good. Like mm. the way that they show even that sort of it's in the middle of the night, and then you compare that to a lot of things that you sort of see in Spectre, and you're like, oh, that's really doesn't compare. I think that the problem yeah. with Spectre is it it doesn't feel lived in. You would say right. Rome. It's Rome, but it's nighttime. There's no cars on the road except for one little Fiat that he pushes. Um, even Mexico, like it's a, a technical achievement with the, with the one that they do in the camera, but it all feels so staged. Like there, there's something that doesn't feel real about Spectre. Like everything feels like it's just happening because the camera's there. It's not mm-hmm. like you look at Casino and yeah, that Miami scene, for instance all the extras feel like he's running through real people. Mm-hmm. And I, I get that feeling like in Matera, for instance, in No Time to Die, um, you know, you've got all the, the things going off in the background in terms of like the the papers burning and the people celebrating. It doesn't feel state. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. And then another thing too, um, I would say Inspector, and this is going to be, you know, because that's one I don't watch too often i mean i watch it enough but like one of my favorite scenes and i think it's because sartorial speaking i love specter like i love the outfits inspector and that like that whole like dior jacket with the npl turtleneck like fucking fantastic but to me i think the my favorite cinematic scene is when him and tanner are on the boat on the thames 
But mm. even that one, if you go back and watch it, it seems like they're the only two people in the world. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I don't even think you can see the guy driving the fucking boat. Mm. <laughs> it's just going, you know, and it's like I look at it and I'm like sartorial, like, dude, I have a peacoat. I can get a blue scarf. I can look like a badass. Awesome. But then if you really look around, it's like the main t- everything's at night. Even at the end, mm. London's all at night. Like you've got these amazing cities. Everything's shot at night. So it's like you're seeing like you're thinking like, oh, are they like in the like the, the underground of London? Like, no, they're like dead center London. But you can't tell because at night they got Leia Sadu standing in a shadow, you know, and it's like and they do that in Rome. But it's like no time to die is the opposite. Like even the yeah. scene right the first scene after opening credits of No Time to Die when they're scaling oh. that building. I'm like, holy shit. Like, you know what? I got like Mission Impossible vibes from that. I got Dark Knight vibes from it. I got so many different like I was like, this movie's going to be so different but yeah. in a good way. You yeah. know? And I think like I'm sure a lot of people said it when it comes to like Leia Sato's character, it's made her Spectre character better, No Time to Die, but I think it's made the overall film probably worse. Like, just not the actual storyline and that. That's neither here nor there. Like, you can probably argue either way. But I think now in retrospect, that film drops down in people's rankings even more. Because you see, yeah, yeah, Yeah. because you can see what a Bond film could have been in a fairly similar sort of time. Like, you go back to Casino Royale, it's 15 years ago. You know, limitations, things like that. Whereas you see the film now and you see that and you're like, it wasn't that long ago. You could have done this. Yeah. Everything you could have done. It goes back to the fact that don't even get me started on when I heard they cast Christoph Waltz, I was like, this guy's like maybe the best actor of all time. I mean, he's not like my favorite, but have you seen Inglorious Bastards? Like this guy's incredible. So I was like, mm-hmm. this is going to be incredible just because he's in it. He can be saying the stupidest shit, but because it's him, it's going to be great. But most people don't realize Leia Sadu is incredibly good, incredibly good. And they didn't use yeah. either of them very well in Spectre at all not god no um, you know christoph waltz you need a dialogue writer for and that's where someone like phoebe Waller-Bridge came in in no time to die and that scene between bond and um blofeld that was her that was her doing like everyone's like oh yeah you know she wrote for the women she wrote the funny stuff that whole scene between bond and blofeld was basically right. her dialogue and right you can tell because christoph waltz is relishing in those little dialogue moments where specter it's just it's yeah it's just exposition yeah, yeah he I, did he literally did more in like two minutes in that film than yeah. he did in two hours of specter what how ironic is it that it will always be in in it to me i think it'd be close to impossible but his swan song should always be in glorious bastards because of how unreal he was but the scene he steals the movie in is the one with leia sedu when he's at that guy's house in, in glorious mm. Bastards. she's one of the daughters yeah and it's just like then you've got them both in the same film and it's trash you know but then even phoebe waller bridge with Ana de armas like she stole that scene completely and now people mm. like i've had people reach out to me and say two different things about how she was incredible but she wasn't in it enough we're like i get that but you can't can't shit on that like whatever that that was her character that's it or it was she was incredible and and they should, you know, the spin-off, whatever. But there's never like, oh, she was okay. Nobody has said to me that Ana de Armas was just okay because she killed that scene. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, really? Yeah. What is it no, with I, you with hot women, Jake? No, <laughs> well, women? no I, I think she was, I, I genuinely think she was great, but I think some of the writing for her in that film made it, I don't know. There was just, it just felt a bit weird at times with some of it, to be truly honest. That's how oh, I honestly. It. Yeah. Like I it was I, fun. I love that scene. It was. And I think that's Josh, you're problem. finding out that Jake's a very surface level individual. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but what I'm saying, like, I it was very fun. And I think that it almost felt strange at the time watching that film that there was that fun scene in it. And it mm-hmm. there's sometimes it feels a bit of like this disconnect where like because Christ is pretty serious up until that point. And then, yeah, she comes in and that's, it's done obviously to break up, to make it not serious. But I remember watching it and it almost felt like she was ditzy and that sort of stuff. And then it yeah. showed her being very capable and it, it just felt weird. There was like, 
but I'd almost say it was like the first two minutes of maid dinner, like when she's starting to undress him and stuff like that. And I was like, the fuck is, why, why is this happening? And then I felt like she was incredible. It was pretty much yeah. like that broke the camel's back. And then as soon as I was sitting at the bar, I thought she was one of the best characters in that film. So mm. like, yeah, I, you know, talks of spin-offs and all that. I'll so sort of said that. Uh, with Ana de Armas in this film, this is something that was brought to my attention very early on. And, and it was the question is, so is she, is she new or is she not? Was that a lie or was it? And I think, you know, and, and this is some people we're going to lose when I say this, but whatever, there's a lot of actors that create backstories for their characters. And then there's a lot of directors that will hand actors pages of backstory. And I think she just kind of created a simple one. I think she was just like, Mm. you know what? Like I grew up here. Clearly, Cuba is not the best place in the world, safety-wise. And she was like, I can beat the shit out of people and I can hold my own anytime. But put me in a in a $10,000 dress, I'm a little uncomfortable. It's not something I've been doing. I didn't go to Oxford. I didn't do these. So I think in that scene, she was nervous. But then when it came down to the just beating the shit out of people, she's like, oh, this, I've, I've been taking care of myself my entire life. I think that's yeah. what it, I think that's what it was. Well, what's that line in the bongos? Three weeks, really? Like you can tell she's capable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that—that's the um, thing. I think once it sort of starts to show that, that's when I really enjoyed her character in that. But, but yeah, that was probably like I said, it was maybe two minutes of the film. And if we didn't do what we do, where we dive into every aspect of these tiny little things, because this is the only film we've got to talk about for the next two years, I probably wouldn't give a shit. But right. that's you know, and we'll talk about that as a flaw. But I mean, Jake, yeah. if that scene was Inspector, would it be the best scene oh. in the film? Yeah, of course it would be. Yeah. And that's, yeah, and that that's what I'm saying. That that's I think No Time to Die is well up there with with Craig's best films. Like there is a bit of recency bias, and I'll, I'm happy to admit that. And you know, give me six months, and I'll I'd feel mm-hmm. more comfortable in where mm-hmm. I actually put it in. But like for me. It could, it could, I could put it in at number one and argue my way through that. Um, mm. That's how I feel about that film at the moment. Yeah, probably realistically number two or three. But it, yeah, with Spectre, if you put that in, it would be the best. But that's the thing; it's little dodgy bits in such an amazing film. We can nitpick that. Yeah, yeah. That's it's that's the same as Saffron, right? Like you can yeah. nitpick the shit out of Saffron and Saffron's plan and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day. It's still awesome. Yeah. yeah, he's he's an amazing villain, but you could take these little bits and go, oh, I didn't like how he did this, I didn't like how he did that. But the general public who these films are made for, they're not made for us. They're not made for no, people to sit yeah. there and yeah. dissect for hours on end. The so yeah. Yeah. My That's... mom wouldn't saw it. My parents wouldn't saw it. And um she she called me after she's like oh it was so good she's like i didn't really understand why they had to kill him i was like well yeah. they didn't they really really they didn't but they did and mm-hmm. you know but it's like for for someone like my mom and dad yeah not so much my dad because he it's a miracle if he's awake through any film <laughs> but you know for me for her to say that she loved it i was like you know you are the person that i would think wouldn't yeah you know mm-hmm. because you're 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 sean connery i mean she you know, was obviously incredibly young for Sean Connery, but Roger Moore, whatever. And, you know, they've just got, and she saw the Brosnan films. She probably hadn't seen the Dalton films. She's seen the Brosnan films because that's when I was growing up and I was obsessed with them. But for her to see that film, because she's seen Casino Royale, and I think I've probably made her watch Skyfall, but for her to go see that on her own with my dad and, and for her to enjoy it, you know, they've, that that it's like you know when when it comes to our group you've got the people who are either gonna love it or they're gonna hate it and i was like well you know if you're somebody that was obsessed with roger moore films and that that playful fun you know everything's happy and there's really no conflict and even when there is he's making jokes then you're gonna hate this film my mom was like no i loved it i didn't understand why they killed him but i can look past that because i'm not attached to it like you are yeah but she you know what i mean so it's like clearly there's a great film in there yeah, just regardless of whether it's a Bond film or not, you know, so, I think people oh, nip okay. shit out of that too. I reckon because I know that 
everyone has stuff to do and Josh actually has to go to work today. And we could talk <laughs> about quit. Bond for just the, Yeah, we could we could just talk about Bond for the next, you know, eight hours easy, I reckon. But we have to finish off with it's always my favorite question. So I just like watching people squirm whenever you ask it. Who's your favorite James Bond? Uh, I'm gonna have to say Dalton. I, wow. I, I keep, um, yeah, I keep wow. Timmy I, Two Dicks. I know, I know you don't like Timmy oh. Two Dicks. Um, no, I actually do. I actually do. I got a lot of shit for it, but I actually do. I just give him yeah. a hard time, but I actually. Yeah. Um, I it used to be Brosnan, and I think that's because I grew up with him, and I think his portrayal of the character is phenomenal. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure it was either GoldenEye or Daylights that was my first. I'm pretty sure that it was Daylights that was my first. And Dalton in that film, he just nails the comedy and the the serious nature of Bond just to an absolute T. Um, yeah. License, I'm not a huge fan of as a film, but mm. I think in that, again, like he's the, the closest thing we'll get to Fleming outside of No Time to Die. Um, like he's... And I'm a big fan of the books, so I'm always looking for, you know, the the Fleming aspects. And you can tell that he had read every single line of Fleming's text when he was playing that character. So, um, yeah, I, it, it's a hard one for me because it's like picking your favorite child or your favorite pet. Um, but if if you had to nail me down, I'd probably say Dalton. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Interesting. I think he might be uh, the first think, one. Is, yeah, I was going to say. Not. I don't think anyone else has said that. It's normally. So you said it very eloquently right. because yeah. I agree with you. Thank License, you. Uh, yeah. Living Daylights is, in I I would agree the better of the two. I mean that's that's mm. I think that's an underrated film to be honest with you. Yeah. But you know what I think uh, before we let Josh go, to to kind of piggyback off that, it's um it's also kind of a tough question when one of people's favorite Bonds only got one film, and then when another guy only got two, you know it's kind of hard to really judge based on you know what i mean because even even with pierce Brosnan, like goldeneye was incredible and mm. then you've got die another day and you're like what the fuck happened here and it's the same writers yeah. like what were you yeah. guys doing you know so yep know. <laughs> <laughs> they like got really high like did mushrooms yeah. or like watch this we're gonna make them kite surf in a, in a tsunami uh, <laughs> holy shit uh, the, the x games happened that's what happened <laughs> Well, like this Sean White guy's getting a lot of press. Let's capitalize on Sean <laughs> White, the next James Bond. Um, well, thank you very much for joining us today, Josh. Um, so if anyone wants to go and go and check out your podcast, it's Selling Secrets. That's on all the normal platforms, is it? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yep. Selling Secrets yep. podcast. Yep. Fantastic. And then 007 Oz on Instagram. So, yeah, thank you, Josh. It was good to finally have an Australian on here. Yeah, and thank you for having stuff me. with all these Americans. So, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for coming, Josh. It was a pleasure meeting you. Thanks, guys.